Welcome to the In the Bag Podcast. I'm your host from a pleasant fall day in Houston, Texas, Jonathan Slaughter, and with me as always is Jazzy, James Haldeman. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, shot the best, well, I mean, scored a par, second best round of my life, but it felt like it could have been the best round of my life on Saturday, went out and played, and uh, I don't know, I left a few out there too, so it could have been even better. I paid for it with a pretty big blister, but I battled through the back nine with a, with a bloody finger because I was playing so well. So had a, had a fun weekend this weekend, playing some golf. Uh, we had a really fun tournament. This weekend, I think we both kind of had a had a sweat coming into the final day, um, and I'm, so I'm looking forward to to the tournament this week. We get a a lot of the big names back again, obviously, and and add Tiger and and into the mix. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it was uh, last weekend was a very enjoyable tournament. Um, the uh, you know uh, people got to see the Shadow Creek, um, which was which I thought. Of- the home course of podcast host Jonathan Slaughter, <laughs> which I very much enjoyed. I, I do uh, do want to play that course one day, um, and uh, yeah, we both had uh, Shoffle to win, and I feel like I felt like going into Sunday, I was like, he's got. I think six hundred will do it, and you know, but Cockrack shot probably the best round of his life, and uh, but you know, it didn't seem. You know, I know he putted well, but it didn't seem outrageously lucky like I didn't feel like if I had Wolf last weekend against Laird I would have felt a lot worse than I did yesterday Thanks. appreciate it on Sunday yeah well I mean the one with Laird's was like ridiculous like I feel like he got lucky not to say that Cockrock didn't catch some breaks but like I felt like he just played really solid on Sunday it reminded me very much of when uh Nate Lashley won the the 3M or whatever whatever tournament it was that he won, and he just he just hit the fairways and he put the ball close and you know he made a couple 15 to 20 footers, but he didn't have to make a miraculous save. I mean, the best thing that Cockrock did was he had that super fluffy chip shot on the par five and put that close. Yeah. But that was really the only like crazy play that he had to make. He had no awkward lies to hit from. He was just putting the ball in the fairway. Yeah, it was it was a an interesting tournament of runs where you know each each round a different guy went out and shot like six seven eight under. Obviously on Sunday, Cockrack and Shoffley both did it, but it, you know Xander got off or I guess Hatton got off to an incredibly hot start, and then Xander picked it up in the second round, and then Xander fell back when Cockrack picked it up in the third round, and then you know they dueled and on Sunday, and so it was a lot of fun to watch. I think my my takeaway from the tournament is that maybe in these in, in tournaments we're gonna see you know at some point coming up maybe course familiarity matters a lot more than we think it does you know we you come to find out like a couple of days before the tournament that Kokrak plays this place all the time and then goes out and and puts lights out which is something Jason Kokrak does not do very much and these are pretty difficult greens so I, I think familiarity of the course probably matters more than we we give it credit for um, you know, I'm not a big Jason Kokrak fan, but but credit to him for going out and holding off a you know red hot Xander. I think we're at the point where these guys have been taking turns since the restart, saying, "Oh, this is the best player in the world right now," right? And it was DJ for a while, and now we're I think we're on to Xander. You know, two five two. You can't really argue with those results. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Uh, like Jason Day plays, you know, at the Memorial all the time, and he never played well until this year. So, you know, I kind of think it's. 
lightning in a bottle in in a sense like uh, you know are you spending yeah there's definitely some of that in there so you know perhaps it can be like a tiebreaker but i think we do consider that normally a tiebreaker in between people but i mean the whole thing with with in all honesty cockrack would not have won had shawflay and cockrack's lies on the par 5 16th been reversed and Sure, yeah. and that and that you know that was like the difference in the tournament. Like Xander didn't putt substantially worse than than Cockrack did, you know, on Sunday. Yeah, uh, it just he just he just had it. That was the one break he got is that he wasn't underneath that tree and he didn't have such a crazy, you know, side slope to hit off of on that on that sixteenth. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these tournaments come down to one or two bounces or one or two lies. When you have you know guys dueling on Sunday and it, like you said, it doesn't always come down to the. And I, I guess you know some of Martin Laird's was luck, but some of it was skill. But it it always it doesn't always come down to having a safe shot. Sometimes it comes down to hitting fairways and greens and putting or two putting and and getting out of there and just just playing solid golf. And that's what Kokrak did on Sunday. Yeah, and I think, uh, but you know, and I thought the best part about Sunday was that it's it's so rare that you get the guys that are gonna you know dueling it out for the victory in a group together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't like one guy was chasing and the other guy was in the last final group. No. That they, they were both in the next to last group, right? Right. But that made it. So that, was, but that yeah, made it, it so fun. much fun. Yeah, for sure. And then going back to what you originally said, I uh, that that there was these crazy swings, and I think. Outside of the from Thursday to Friday, every leader had a, at least a six-stroke swing difference between how, what they were the day before and then the net following day. Like Shoffley had a three-stroke lead going into Friday, and then he was three strokes back going into Sunday. And then and that, that happened for that happened for Tyrrell Hatton on Thursday and Friday. He was awesome on Thursday, but then fell way back on Friday. So yeah, you're right. And I, then, I hadn't really thought about it, but they all had kind of a bad round too. And then Henley, and then Henley had the yep. it was three strokes up, and then ended up four five strokes back, right, or like something crazy. So it, yeah. it was a really wild. Uh, it was some wild swings for sure. This weekend, very similarly, we are to a course that we don't have a lot of information on, although we do have some, and it is in California. I'm not sure where in California it is. Uh, but Thousand it, Oaks. It's Thousand Oaks, and it's taking place of the uh, the Zozo. I mean, it's still called the Zozo, but it's taking place of the course in Japan that hosted it last year, uh, and it will be hosted in California this year for a one-off. Uh, what do we know about the course, and what kind of players should we be looked to profiling for this weekend? I think the the most unique thing about this course, uh, and like you said, we don't have a lot of information, so I won't spend too much time uh, going over this. I think this is probably a more interesting week to talk about roster construction and how we want to attack it. But I think this is an interesting course because it has two par fives, or sorry, five par fives and five par threes. And so we don't, I mean, we don't really ever see that. Um, but we still have it as a par 72, and it's uh, a little bit shorter than we usually see for par 72s, playing just just above 7,000 yards. And so I think this lends itself to a couple things. One, you know, anytime we're playing a par 72, we tend to target par 5 scoring because it's the easiest place to score on, and now we get that opportunity five times. Two, um, it is a place where... We're playing a, a shorter course, and a lot of these par fives aren't incredibly long, so we won't see drivers much off the tee. 
So even though we're going to focus on par fives, I think this is not the week to focus on distance. I think we might see a lot more three woods off the tee here. Uh, and then I think, given that this again is a course we don't have much information on, we want to we just want we want to assume that it's going to play like a second shot course. And the fact that we have five par threes means we're already taking more uh, iron shots into greens just automatically from good lies. So we want to focus pretty heavily on strokes gained approach guys as well. And so I, I think those are the, the three areas I want to focus. I just want total strokes gained off the tee statistics, strokes gained approach. Obviously, we want guys to make birdie. So I factored a little bit of birdie or better percentage into my model this week. Because again, four guaranteed rounds of the best players in the world. We saw it last week. You're going to get swings. You're going to get really, really good low rounds. And then obviously, I, I think the most important stat this week is par five scoring. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go to the building uh, setup for this. And like always, we'll start from the top and we will start with the one, two, three, six most expensive guys that are all 10,000 and up, which goes from Shafley, Rom, DJ, who's not in the tournament, JT, Rory, and Hatton. I think this is interesting. You know, I think in a lot of ways, in all of these no cut events, as you said earlier, it's best to fit as many of these top guys into the tournament or into your lineups as possible because you know you get four rounds from them and that chances are you know it's just like it's just like a seven game series in a, in a you know baseball or basketball the more games that you have the more opportunities you have for the better team to to show that they're why they're the better team however with that said you know i'm not a huge fan of spending up this weekend, just given the pricing that we have. Although I do think it's possible and I think it would be interesting to me. It would be interesting to go one of two ways, the way that I'm going where I'm kind of like fading the top guys and then spending like collectively in a, in a group underneath them or literally just trying to fit two of these guys into the, into your roster, you know, because again, same thing with last week, none of these guys are playing bad. I think Hatton may be a little overpriced, but even with, I mean, but he was so awesome last week. I don't, I don't really know how you could say that. So, I mean, I don't think any of these guys are a bad play. Yeah. I mean, so, so I already said, I think Xander's playing better than anybody else in the world right now. His game is complete. He's gaining strokes everywhere and he's gaining a lot of strokes everywhere. Rom finished 17th. He was, he was pretty middling all week. I never thought he would really had a chance to win it, but he's, you know, he's still John Rom. He's incredible off the tee, a great approach player, and, and one of the better putters you're going to get in the top area. Justin Thomas kind of let people down on Sunday, along with Rory McIlroy. I think we can kind of group them together. They both did the same thing. They, they faded toward the end of the tournament. I mean, we only got one good round out of Rory McIlroy, which was the third round. And he still finished 21st, and he scored over 90 points. Would I have liked him to play better? Sure. I guess this is this is kind of the, the problem with Rory right now. So, so with JT, it's the putter. He goes as the putter goes. The ball striking's been consistent no matter what. He's you know still what's first in strokes gained approach right now on tour. So you, you don't have to worry too much about JT. You just have to hope he gets a hot putter. Rory, on the other hand, has been basically a slightly above tour average uh, iron player since the return, which is a bit worrisome given that it's been, you know, 11 or 12 tournaments at this point. You kind of expect him to snap out of it. He hasn't. Uh, he actually gained strokes putting last week, which is, you know, 
not always something he does and was only able to finish 21st. But in that third round where he gained three strokes approach, he was absolutely phenomenal and shot like six or seven under and put himself basically in contention to make a Sunday run if he had went out and shot seven, eight under. He did not. So maybe maybe their ownership gets depressed. I think JT is actually going to be the highest owned golfer. So not that, but I think Rory's ownership may get depressed. So if you want to do the the contrarian play, then, then I think that's Rory this week. And then Hatton's interesting. He won, you know, maybe, well, I don't know. It might be the biggest European tournament, the, the BMW over there. Came over here the next week, finished third, and was very, very much, you know, in contention after round one. Had one bad round that kind of cost him the tournament. And Hatton tends to play well in bunches. Also one of the better iron players on tour. So, again, I'm just going to echo what you said. I don't. I, I don't have a reason to not play any of these guys. I think you know. I think Rory's in the worst form right now. So if you care about form, don't play Rory. But any of the rest of them are maybe. I probably wouldn't play Rom either. But I I just go up to Shoffley at that point. Um, but I think the other three guys are, are worth investing in if if you want to get to the top of this. Yeah, I mean, so my my argument for not playing them is that you have. All of them are projected at 18% or higher ownership, which means that, and there's only one, two, three, I think three guys that are projected at 18 or higher the rest of the way, and that's Webb, who's the projected, no, it's only Webb. No one else, is, no one else is projected that high. So by avoiding them, you're like already making yourself like a lineup differentiator that, you know, that people aren't going to have. Yeah, I think I think what what we have to decide, what everybody has to decide is is that differentiation worth the win equi- equity you're giving up to make that differentiation? Like, do you, if if you're going to start your lineup with Morikawa or you know Webb, do you think they have just as much win equity as Xander or JT? And if you think they do this week, then then I would highly recommend going there. Well, maybe not Webb because he's projected to be the highest zone golfer, but you know Morikawa. If you think he has the win equity of Justin Thomas, play Morikawa if you're if you're doing the game theory play. But but that's that's up to you to decide. Again, the cream tends to rise to the top, but I, I'll, I think there are, you know the high eight thousands and the low eight thousands range provide some interesting opportunities, or maybe you don't have to go star scrubs this week because the pricing is so interesting there. Yep, uh, yeah, I think I think you there's a lot of value to be had. That's one thing, you know. I'm not I'm not as enthralled with the bottom of of the the. I'm more enthralled with the middle. I feel like the middle has a lot of great guys and a lot of great options. In past, I've I've felt more confident with the lower seven thousand range and even some guys in the six thousand. There are a fair amount of guys in the six thousand, but I'm not sure it's worth it to me to be playing like two of those guys. I mean, I know you're getting four rounds out of them no matter what, and so maybe you just pick some high upside guys like Vinny on or something like that that would make that model. But it just makes me feel uncomfortable whenever there's so much value to be had in the in the middle rounds, whereas I don't feel like that had been the case previously yeah i i think from 9200 to 7600 you're getting a, a lot of interesting opportunities and well, i guess probably to 7500 i think that from casey to hovland is an incredibly interesting range this week and like you said it, it the the pricing there gives you the opportunity to to play some more interesting lineups where i think stars and scrubs was 100 percent the way to go last week you might be able to do a more sort of value-based lineup and not lose too much of that win equity and be able to put a lot more 
you know higher higher level golfers in your lineup. Yep, I uh, agree there. So, but if I if I had to choose, I think an order that I would go, I think I like, I think I like Cat in the best. No, I think I, I I like Rory the best. I think that's where I would start because the way that you said it, it just makes me think like man, like he he just has so much upside. And you said that he finished twenty first, he had one good round, and he still got you ninety points. I mean that's that's just damn good and. I, the the problem is I don't remember the last time Rory and this hurts for me to say I don't remember the last time Rory played a tournament where he had more than one good round. Yeah, I mean I get that, but at the same time, if this is the tournament he does it and you're basically beating everyone to the curve, like to me that's worth the risk. It's worth throwing away twenty dollars to bet that. Sure, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, that's is what I'm saying. So yeah, yeah. I think that's where I would start if I was going to do a top one. And I may construct a top one, a top heavy one, just to see what it looks like. But I think that's did where I would start. Did you just talk me into Rory? Did, it, did you just have to talk me into Rory and I think you did it? I think so. I don't know. Well, I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm supposed to be Rory McIlroy's number one fan, who am I if I'm not willing to throw away $20 on the, the thought and prayer that he is going to turn into the Rory McIlroy I know and love this week? Right? I, I could say, Who am I? I continuously do it for Jason Day, so I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've built my identity in golf around my love for this man. And if I'm not willing to do this week in and week out, then, then I'm just, I'm weak. And, and I'm, I, would, I wouldn't be deserving of any attention Roy McIlroy will never give me in life. <laughs> uh, that's what we're here for. That's the type of analysis. Um, I, got, I got a little tearful. I got a little emotional there. But I, I, I dealt with some things. I think I'm with you, though. On, I, I think I'm with you on the Rom call. I think he's probably the worst, just because I think he has the worst approach game of of all the guys. JT, I'm kind of more intrigued by, in the sense that his putting hasn't been awful. Like I know he lost strokes putting last week, but it's not like he's losing like a ton of strokes. And so I feel like he's on the cusp. He doesn't fit my. He hasn't putted well in five tournaments, and therefore. I don't have any reason to believe that he's going to putt well. Like, right. Uh, so I think that he could turn around. It wouldn't surprise me if he won. You know, it's just when you when you use when you're going to pair when you're going to use JT or when you use Webb, it's just for everyone to remember that you're going to have to dif- differentiate yourself somewhere else. Whether that's yeah. leaving money off the table or whether that's pairing him with some underowned guy that you like. Right. So that's just to keep in mind. Um, yeah, I guess we've talked about Morikawa and Webb a few times now. I guess anybody from Xander to Webb, if you told me they were going to win the tournament, it wouldn't surprise me. Except for maybe Rory. It would surprise me a little bit, just given his form. But I'm also in on Rory, so it is what it is. You said Xander to who? To Webb. If you told me any of those guys won the tournament this week, I wouldn't. it wouldn't surprise me. Fair enough, yeah. Um, I want to do something a little different this weekend, or this week. I think... Just to me, at least how I have thought about this, let's go from Morikawa all the way down to Kokrak, because I, okay. I, I feel like these like the eighty-five to eight thousand guys are kind of all similar, and I kind of want to talk about them uh, more in depth, I guess. So okay, so let's so you and I both like Morikawa one because of his ownership, but two because of his upside. Why? What? What is? I mean, I know I think we feel similarly about it, but give us give us a spiel about Morikawa here. I mean, if if I'm considering this a second shot course, 
And of course, where you have to be an elite ball striker, there's, what, four guys on tour, total ball striking, that are maybe better than Morikawa on any given week. And I think, you know, depending on which week you're looking at it, either he or JT is the best iron player in the world. And when you're the best in the world at something, I think you... Yeah, you, know, you just you have to play it when it's priced below. I, I think with Morikawa is priced below ten thousand dollars in any tournament, which is going to happen relatively often because there are a lot of good golfers. That he's just absurd value. I agree there. Webb obviously is going to be very popular. I don't. I mean, like, it's funny because whenever I looked into the tournament, I was doing my initial research, and I think we texted each other like, you know, same thing. I was like, Webb is the guy, and so I think it's funny that people also came to that consensus. The problem with Webb. And it's not that he's bad at par five scoring. It's just there are other guys who I feel like Webb is like the if if you need if you were to tell me Webb will get you a birdie on a par five, I'd be like, yeah, I think he might be one of the best guys in par fives to do that. However, I think there's a lot of other guys that like go get me an eagle. Webb's not going to be on that list, but there are well, so- there are a ton of guys that are above him on that, and that's why. I decided to move off of him. Yeah. So. So, but so, but he is. The, the, so, but the last year about, he was sixth in fifty-two rounds. Right. He was sixth. So, right. but I bet if you went and you put eagles, like let's go. I'm gonna go while you're doing this. I'm gonna go find out who had the most eagles, and I bet Webb is not even like near the top. So the the interesting thing about this week is that this is a par seventy-two and much much shorter than other par seventy-twos we usually end up seeing. So Webb's, I don't know what you want to call it, eagle equity goes up because he's not he's not having to blast the ball as far. Now he's he does he doesn't have the same length of clubs in his hand, but he I mean it's not like he can't reach these par fives. Webb can reach these and, and have a chance at making eagle this week more so than he usually does on longer courses. What would I what how many if I were to tell you what do you think Webb's rank is for your num, for eagles last year? 117 90th but 90th whenever he's seventh in par five scoring like see to me i don't know i just i would i just would prefer to have the the risk i guess that's yeah i mean that's fair i i think i think this is a web track and i think 25 percent of people are right to play you, him you know, in the you know who's first right now in par five scoring uh, par five eagles Colin Morikawa made the most Eagles last year, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, he's just an insane iron player. And so when he can even... Yeah, he, Colin Morikawa's a stud. So, I mean... You're not, you're not going to get an argument from me there. I'm, I'm probably going to start 20 lineups with him in, a, in an entry this week. So Yeah, so I think that's where I'm leaning on, on, uh, on that. It's a re- one reason why I'm not playing Webb. My other it's most funny. favorite guy in this range is Hovland. And it's for the exact same reason. Great par five player. He was tenth, eighth last year in in uh, Eagles. I have a feeling he's going to get two Eagles this weekend. So, ooh, yeah, you know. So I, I mean, he could either of them guy, either of those guys could do it. And I think you just have such a leg up on the field if you can go out if you can go out and you can get me some Eagles. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, and he's been. It's interesting. And he's been the fifth since the reboot. He's the he's fifth in uh, strokes gained approach. Yeah, he's been phenomenal with his irons. Uh, I mean, at this point, the only weakness in his game because he's also been putting a lot better. 
recently is when he is in tight lies and he's not in deep rough around the greens he he just flubs chips he he just stuffs them almost every single time it's it's so weird it's like the better the lie the worse his chip is around the greens right now so that's something he's got to figure out you know when he's in the deep stuff he's kind of just got to like pop it up and hack it out he's much much better so that's the only fault in Morikawa's or not Morikawa, uh, Hovland's game right now. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty big on Hovland this week as well. I think he's I think he's a really really good play, and I think outside of one, he had a bad first round last week. Outside of that, turned it on and was phenomenal the rest of the tournament. Some other guys that I'll mention as as guys I like, uh, Patty Reed can obviously go out and shoot very low any particular round. If you know you're going to get four rounds from Patty Reed, he's going to have one crazy run. Uh, and he, and also one thing that I don't like about Rory and for that matter, I think JT is kind of similar is that when they're like not in contention, they just kind of like go through the motions at like at the end. And I like, I like Reed for the reason that he just doesn't do that. Like he just always plays like he's trying to earn like an extra $10,000. Like he just doesn't, right. like, yeah, he just yeah, doesn't yeah. care. So I, I like that about Reed. I think that is something that's valuable in these types of tournaments. And then the other the other guy that I think I'll be targeting is Daniel Berger. Similar, you know, he's great on both. He's he's an interesting player because he's great on par fives and par threes. So that I think is kind of a rare combination whenever you're talking about the type of course that we're going to this weekend. Sure. Yeah, I, I have no qualms um, with either of those guys. I think I think Patty Reed grinds. He likes to play and and um, you know, higher field uh, quality tournaments as well. It's where he kind of shines. And so, you know, if if, if he's a, a good pivot from from Morikawa and Webb, he, I, I, sorry, he is a good pivot from Morikawa and Webb if you like him, uh, based on projected ownership so far. And then I, I really like the, the Berger-English just sort of pairing right there. I mean, they're, they're priced, they are four superior golfers to Bubba Watson and Kokrak. And even, you know, Fleetwood, since the restart, has been, in this field, the worst iron player so far. And, t- and, and so, Tiger. They're better than Tiger. Yeah, it, sorry. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, Tiger hasn't played since the US Open, where he missed the cut and, and was not great in the the playoff. And it's just kind of like a... Although, you know, Tiger plays really well um, at this course, or used to when it hosted the Hero World Challenge. And so, I think he'll probably be pretty highly owned because people love Tiger, but it's not somewhere... Uh, I'm interested in going. But yeah, I, I think Berger in English the, is just like a sweet spot right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And, and and gain strokes all the way across the board. Um, yeah, I, I I can't heap enough praise on those two guys. And they, and they both played solid last week. Berger wasn't great. English finished top ten. So do you like Wolf over uh, over those two guys? Because I think that's I've, I've kind of been figuring out if I want to do Wolf or Harris. I think that is. Uh, a battle I'm having right now. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Matt Wolf did not look good for what two rounds last week, but then was pretty solid around for sure a round and a half. And by look didn't look good, you mean looked god awful? Yeah, it was eleven <laughs> over through like twenty four holes or whatever. Right. He was bad. <laughs> and then you know he kind of figured it out. I think a little bit toward the end and played. I think he played below par for the last what was that thirty six plus eight forty four holes or whatever it was. Right. Um, but he's also he was coming off back to back second place finishes, maybe that maybe that course just like 
really, really impacted him. I think he's pretty Aaron off the tee, which can happen with him. And it seemed like there were a lot of opportunities to, to mess yourself up if you were Aaron off the tee at that course. So, uh, I, I mean, I'm not off Matt Wolf. I, I think I'd just rather play Burger in English. Yeah, one thing about Wolf that I think you said it, and I, I've... I'm starting to kind of extrapolate it. I, I don't think there's a way to predict it. That's the only issue with me is that he's, he's such a rhythm player and that right. if it's off, like it's not good. And I just don't know how to predict whether it's going to be off or on. Um, and, and I think just that's part of the risk that you're going to play in like his, there's just so much, you know, mechanical movement in his swing that it's just part of, He's gonna have uh, he's gonna have some weird variances in there because of that. And, yeah, it's really weird. I almost never see him start a tournament on fire like seven, eight, nine under in the first round. He's always like you know minus two, minus three, and then in the second round is when he jumps up to the top of the leaderboard if he's gonna contend. It's it's really interesting with him. And you're right, he's, there's just so much in that swing. It's so much about timing and rhythm that when it's off, it's bad. But when it's on, you know, it, it's obviously you know one of the best best swings in the world clearly shown by you know a lot of high finishes recently and, and two top fives in the last two majors right if you were to uh fade somebody who would that be out of this group i'll go with last week's winner i'll just go with jason kokrak i don't i don't you're not gonna catch that lightning in a bottle twice he's no uh he's no brendan dodd <laughs> shots fired uh i will go with my uh i'm still salty nemesis number one uh patrick cantley yeah. Uh, is he good at golf? We don't know yet. We still don't know. All right, so then the next group. Uh, let's do... Uh, honestly, I just want to talk about these lower 8,000 guys, and then we can kind of... Let's do it. Uh, there's only... you know We got Fleetwood, Neiman, Fitzpatrick, Scheffler, Henley, M. Outside of Fleetwood, I don't think any of these guys are bad plays. Like, no, I think, I, I think you can roster all of them. I think all of them should be in your lineups. And I think the why I'm struggling with pairing two high guys is that I am missing out on this portion of roster construction because once you choose those two guys and this guy, then you're sacrificing a lot at the bottom of your lineups. So, okay, so, so let me ask you a question. Yeah. You, you want to be in this space. You like these four guys. Yes. Five guys. Do you I think like him too. M. Henley Shuffler. Oh, yeah, Neiman. Oh, okay. I, I was just assuming it was 85 to 8,000. There were only five guys. That was bad math. I promise I'm good at it usually. I mean, do they have... Do, does does the win equity from this space or the, the I guess, the, the height of the floor in this space create enough value for you that you think it... Um, closes the gap on the impact that picking a, a Morikawa to start your lineup with versus a Justin Thomas makes. Do you think that closes that gap enough for you? Absolutely. Cause I think, I think, all, yeah, I think all, then live there. I think all these guys can win. Well, except for Henley. I don't think Henley can win. Well, I don't know. Even though he was the one that finished the highest last week. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that, I think all the other guys can win. I don't know why not. I mean, I like Henley. Honestly, I like Henley for his floor more than his ceiling. Sure. Um, because I think the fact that the fact that he's actually kind of learned to putt recently is kind of terrifying for the rest of the field. But his off the tee game is still just so is just is more hit or miss at this point, in my opinion. So, but I mean, he still has it if he you know whenever it's on, it's on. But also, I think there's just like a, he hasn't been there before to go off and 
win against the big guys. Not that Cockrack has by any stretch, but I don't know. You could just tell he was tight yesterday uh, on Sunday. Yeah, that that that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I really like this this space as well. Obviously, Neiman's playing some really really great golf right now. Twenty third at the U.S. Open, thirteenth at the Shriners, which was you know a relatively strong field, and then sixth last week because he he's just kind of found his putter recently. And when you combine the ball striking that he has exhibited consistently with the ability to not miss every five foot birdie putt he has, it, it's obviously pretty scary. And and he's a really talented golfer. Fitzpatrick is a grinder. You give him four rounds, he's gonna have a good one. He tends to play pretty well in, in bigger field tournaments. You know, five wins in the European Tour. He's kind of surprised he hasn't got one on the PGA Tour yet. He's come pretty close a few times. Scheffler is a, a weird one. Scheffler and him are kind of in the same boat to me, yes. where they're, they're I think they're way better players than what they're playing like right now. It seemed like Sungjae kind of figured it out Saturday and Sunday, and really really played better uh, after his, you know, abysmal, what is he, six over through 18, the first 18, and then Scotty was like three over. So they kind of played themselves out of the tournament very early. Yeah, they play, but they um, play fine on the weekend. Yeah, they play fine on the weekend. and so I think both of them yeah, ended up in under par for the for the tournament. I don't know about M, but I think Scheffler definitely did. It, yeah, it, M ended up minus three. Yeah, so. I think Scheffler ended up minus two. Right, so they shot, they shot minus so, nine yeah. and minus five over the last two days. Yeah, so, yeah, so they, were, they, they were fine then. And, and you said enough about Henley already. So, yeah, I think if this is a spot where you want to live and you think their their win equity or their performance um, potential closes the gap on, on Morikawa, and Hob- or Morikawa and like Thomas and what you have to do at the bottom of your roster to get Thomas, then I think it's a great place to go. Yeah. Um, I think, I honestly, we didn't talk about him, but we, I think you can go all the way down and include Abraham Answer in this. Yeah, I mean, and he's the two. So the two guys, and uh, we'll, 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 let's go to the 7,000 range now. The two guys that are in this range, three guys actually, I would say, that are in this range to me, that makes me feel confident where if I constructed a top-heavy lineup where I went like Rory, Morikawa, or maybe Rory and Reed or something like that, uh, would be because of prices like Answer, who I don't understand why his price went down after finishing 28th last weekend. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why Fowler's went down after finishing 28. You know, I don't, you know, Day's price is inherently just because he got hurt and he withdrew, but he was second in iron, you know, short scan uh, approach. And then you have a, a guy like Gary Woodland who didn't play well, hasn't played well, but certainly has the talent. But those three guys, they're just so cheap that you just need them to finish, you know, fourth or fifth best in your lineups. That makes me feel better about, having picking guy top heavy uh, you know uh with uh rory and morikawa or something like that yeah i think i think if you want to fit multiple of those guys up top you're gonna have to dip a little bit lower than this but i, th- I think this range is okay uh i, I mean answer obviously I, I mentioned i think he's been playing really really good golf and and i think he, he's a solid place to go down here i think he's probably my favorite of the below eight thousand guys I think the two names that also really stand out to me are Brian Harmon and Sebastian Munoz. They're both on a pretty solid streak of golf right now. Munoz hasn't missed a cut since, what, the PGA uh, Championship. Harmon hasn't missed a cut since, you know, what you can see in the recent tournaments on Rick, Rick Rungood's data. And they both had really, really solid finishes last weekend. I'm not sure why Munoz didn't jump up in price a little bit more than he did, given, you know, 
where, how other guys dropped. Um, and he's got, you know, what, three straight top 27 finishes. He finished eighth at the Tour Championship. So he's played well. I know he's he's a little bit more inconsistent, so I could see that kind of what keeping is keeping his price down. You know, Brian Harmon in his last seven tournaments hasn't finished outside of 38th. That's really, really solid for somebody you're paying $7,300 for. And, you know, he struggled a little bit at times last week, but ultimately, you know, posted a 28th place finish. So both those guys I really, really like down here. The other name, what do we do with Lanto when he's 7,000? Blow? Blow you play him. Above, you tend to avoid him, even though he won the Houston Open when he was priced at, like, 8,000 or whatever. But, like, what do you what do you do with Lanto this week? Uh, it's, it's a great question. I think I'm going to hop off, but that's just I, it's just a feeling. It's not, like, based on logic or anything. Yeah, that's fair. I he was it was really wild. Uh, he I mean he was like top ten in strokes gained approach last week. He he got putted really really well. He actually just he lost like .03 strokes with the driver, but we we know he tends to be erratic, even though he's you know relatively long. But yeah, it was it, it's just it's funny. They it feels like DraftKings like put us in limbo because they know what the they they figured out our code. I well I think I know exactly what's going to happen actually. So whenever he's above when he's below seven k, he finishes way above his value. And when he's under or above seven k, finishes way under his value. So he's just going to finish right at where, where he should. So he's like sixty five points this week. That's exactly exactly. Okay, I like it. All right, so check this out. Talking about guys that we liked, you can construct a lineup of Rory, Morikawa, Neiman, Day, Harmon, and then like a guy like Brandon Steele. Say that. Give me that lineup one more time. Rory. Morikawa, Neiman, Day, Harmon, Steele. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would definitely run that lineup. I think you. I I am not a game theory guy. I uh, I'm not the necessarily the counter. I try to figure out what works and play the best of it all the time. But you know, like I, I think you get some some pretty cool pivots, right? If you're gonna play like Steele, you're pivoting from the Leishman Streelman high ownership. Rory, I think, is is not gonna hit the eighteen percent projected ownership. Maybe he does because DJ's out, but it just seems weird to me. Answer maybe it, it looks like he's gonna go a little under owned, being in that Henley Scott area. Right. Day obviously after a um a with withdrawal is gonna be lower owned than expected. So I, I think that I think that works really really well, especially I, I think you have a lot of win equity there. And I also think that you you probably get to pivot from from a lot of the high ownership guys that way. Yeah, I mean, I just think that it's interesting that you could still fit in. Like, I just it's, it's crazy to me that you can have a guy like Day or Answer or Fowler, and still have guys two two guys in the top seven or eight in your ownership, and they're your fourth guy. I mean, that's right. That's that's pretty uh, that's pretty good. It's one reason why I kind of like this field, but it's another reason why you can also have guys like Day. Fowler and answer as like your fifth guys, which is, you know, pretty incredible. Yep. So uh, with that said, going dipping below the 7,000, there are four guys that I'm targeting here. Uh, I'll let you do the steel guy, the steel rants, because you were the one that uh, pointed me out to him. Uh, Corey Connors didn't have a great week last week, didn't have a bad week. If it's the second shot course, he's still gaining a ton of strokes on his approach. He just still cannot putt the ball. Uh, same thing with Benny Ann. I think Benny Ann lost like six strokes putting last weekend. It was incredible. But he's also, he has shown no shot signs that he can putt. But nonetheless, second shot course. <laughs> I mean, if he's, if he's your cheapest guy, he's your cheapest guy. Maybe he finds it. Maybe he doesn't. But I think 
in in some ways, I think he, I think both Anne and Connors have like a, a higher floor because we just know like what we're gonna get out of them, and um, yeah. so like in a in a normal cut event, like their putting is just so bad that um, that it, it it's it's you're playing roulette with two with only two rounds hoping that they find their putter in one of those two rounds but if you have four rounds it's like maybe they find their putter one round and that is enough to carry them you know up maybe they finish like 10 10 shots higher you know uh, than what their uh finishes or whatever in right, so and then uh the last guy uh cami champ who was awesome on approach and, and off the tee last weekend he who also just lost a bunch of strokes putting but he's not a, in my opinion he's not as a bad a bad a putter as these guys and also he can go out and get you some eagles and and finish higher in his fantasy point ranking than where he'll finish in the tournament yeah that that is that is a good point talking about eagles when we're talking about fantasy scoring for sure you know guys in the lower range that i like i, I will agree with you on connor's i think that that is is a pretty solid play. Hadwin is still only sixty seven hundred after a pretty solid finish last week, so that's pretty surprising to me yep. that that his price didn't go up at all. Jordan Spieth at sixty. No, I'm just kidding. I would never actually do that. Um, the the two other guys that I think are pretty interesting down here, and I will probably be looking to play are uh, Kevin Streelman and Brendan Steele. Maybe not Streelman as much because his ownership's high, but so has had one, so I don't know. But I think Britton Steele is, is the one guy. He is uh, just behind Cor- Colin Morikawa since three start. Three, four, five, six. He's seventh in strokes gained approach. He's a little erratic off the tee. He's about a tour average putter, tour average off the tee, um, and also tour average around the green. So everywhere else, he is just tour average. But he, you know, he since restart, he's been the, the sixth best iron player uh, on tour. S- second shot course. I don't think he has to hit as many drivers off the tee this week, so maybe that straightens him out a little bit. Um, and and, and I, it makes me like Brennan Steele um, quite a bit this week as, as one, of, one of the lower plays. And then I also like Streelman. Streelman, on top of being you know a, a very, very good ball striker, rates out pretty well in my model. Um, actually, just in, in between you know him and Munoz, and just actually above Harris English in my model. So um, pretty pretty high on both those guys down there. Yep, uh, no no qualms there. Um, yeah, I, I, there's no one else that really sticks out to me. I think I, I do like those four guys. Um, it's just I don't know. I don't know. It, it's definitely it's definitely more interesting. And another hard thing to do. So I guess it all, this is also kind of a line of construction thing that if you're uh, like if you're doing the cascading model, like which is what we've been uh, more uh, more doing lately. That it's a lot harder to fit if you have the two top guys because well I guess it's easier to pivot down but it's a lot harder to pivot up. So right and yeah you you have to if you want to be able to pivot up from the guys in your roster that you're playing you have to create some space down at the bottom of your roster maybe you don't get to play the guys you want to then. So but if that's not really an issue for you like if you're pivoting down from Rory to Hatton or to Webb. You know that's fine, and if you're you know yeah. pivot down from Morikawa, you can go to Reed, to Matsuyama, and so on and so forth down the line. The one problem, I mean, I mean, I guess you can get maybe, I don't know. I, it's uh, it's all kind of interesting. It's it's a, uh, it's going to be an interesting week because I think there's where I whereas I felt I felt more confident. I feel confident in my where where I'm going to build build in my lineups, but I don't feel. 
like I have a, a read on exactly what everyone else is going to do, except for that I think that the most common line of construction is going to be super rags and super riches. So, but that's just my, but normally I have a, I have a better feel about it and this weekend I don't. Yeah, I mean, I felt like all the lineups at the top last week were super rags, super riches, because Henley was pretty cheap, Taylor Gooch played well, and so all these people were stacking, like, you know, Thomas, Hatton, Ho- or Hovland, or Morikawa, or whoever, you know, was up there. And then they played, like, three scrubs, and, like, Higgs finished 21st. And so I felt like last week that worked out really well for a lot of people, so I would expect to see it, you know, again this week, considering we have some pretty solid names, pretty cheap. And, you know, last weekend I, I felt like in, in a lot of these – ways um that uh, how these no cut tournaments always typically end up is that there's a lot of top guys near the top you know towards the top and it was kind of it was odd to me that really only shoffle was the only expensive guy i mean hatton was kind of expensive but he wasn't like you know he wasn't 10k up so i wonder if we're gonna get a to me i'm banking on the fact me personally I'm banking on the fact that we're going to have a more, much more talent at the top sort of lineup where I think I can get five guys to finish in the top ten with, with, my, type of, with my type of lineup. Yeah, I think the, the other thing to consider this week when we're talking about whether you want to play the Tiffany top guys, this is the last time we're going to see a lot of these guys until the Masters. So I, I think a lot of these guys will be out and, and aiming to play well. This probably... You know they're taking it as a as a as a solid tune up in prep for that. So I, I expect them to come out and and you know like you said you know JT and and Rory sometimes give up on on rounds and and tournaments if they're they're not going to win it. But you know this week they're out playing probably to tune up for the Masters. So I, I would expect them to to try and gut it out and and grind through the tournament. Right. Uh, all right. On to the uh, betting. Let's pull it up here. Did anything catch your eye uh, for winning value off the top? What was um, what was Kokrak's number last week? 200, 200 to one, I think. So uh, based on that, I'm going to go with Nick Taylor at two hundred point five to one to win the tournament. Nick Taylor, but Nick Taylor's played like terrible. Yeah, but so did Kokrak. No, Kokrak was playing better than that. But I'm just going with the same number. It's going to happen again. All right. Not really. I, I'm being completely sarcastic. That is not what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> sorry to get... Scotty, Sheff- st- Scotty Scheffler and Sung JM's numbers are, are surprisingly low for where they're priced at eight eighty or eight thousand or yes eight thousand and eighty two hundred on DraftKings. They're at forty five to one, both of them to win the tournament, which is you know better than Tiger in the betting market, better than as good as Berger, better than Fleetwood. So their their numbers right off the bat kind of speak to me a little bit. I find it really interesting. I, and I get, I think this is just a market thing, but Rory's 10 to one, which seems low. Um, Hovland at 34 to one seems like a good number. Webb at 20 to one is the, the kind of the, the first number that really jumps out to me as far as the, the higher price guys. I think 16 to one for, for Morikawa was a little bit short for me, but yeah, I, I mean, those, those are some of the numbers that, that jump out to me right off the bat. Yeah, um, let's see here. Computer, do your thing. Come on. I mean, day at 40 to 1, given his price because of the neck injury. Like, there, there's clearly win equity in him if he plays all four rounds. Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I, there's no one that's, 
one person that's wildly sticking out to me that we haven't even talked about and who has been playing well, but it just behooves me to play him is Bubba Watson. Uh, they seem everyone seems higher on him than I would have. Yeah, Bu- Bubba Watson's iron play since the restart. He's like fifth on tour or something like that, fourth or fifth on tour, and you know. Uh, just strokes game ball striking, he's in the top ten as well. So, and he's played well as of late and was really really good last week. So I, I think the the market is when Bubble Watson gets hot. I feel like the market gets really hot on Bubble Watson as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, there's some guys that I think have some pretty decent odds. Like to me, like Daniel Berger is a little lower than I would have expected. Walking Neiman's a yeah. little higher. Um, I like Abe Answers number quite a bit, uh, but that's just uh, you know going off the top of my uh, not the top of I, my head. But these those I think those are the kind of numbers I'm looking at. I I don't. Do you have a strong feeling about any of the favorites, one way or another? I feel like if any of the favorites are going to win the tournament, it's Justin Thomas, and so also him being the longest of the favorites at fourteen to one mm-hmm. outside of Hatton. Mm-hmm. But I don't like you know Hatton's. A $10,000 guy, which I feel like they just kind of put up there so they have six guys as opposed to him necessarily being like a favorite in the tournament. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Justin Thomas having the longest odds of the you know the, the four guys that are the highest priced on DraftKings is, is pretty favorable in my opinion. Yep. No, I agree with you there. Yeah, I, I like that. I like I think I think that makes the most sense. And I expect yeah, him to be to be better. Yeah. I, I definitely do too. I mean, it was just a bad Sunday, right? I mean, he, he kind of struggled throughout the week, but he grinded through and then had a bad Sunday. Um, there are two things at the bottom that I find incredibly interesting. Sebastian Munoz has better odds to win this tournament than Justin Rose. And that's just kind of like, a, oh, how the mighty have fallen sort of moment. Like, Absolutely. J- Justin Rose just can't get his game together. And then you talked about him a little bit earlier. I, I, I hadn't really thought much about him. Uh, recently because he's just been in such poor form but gary woodland's 125 to 1 to win this tournament like how like that that is value yeah that definitely is whether or not he's you know he he's kind of like rory right like he's just so much better than what he's playing right now that you feel like at some point he's going to turn it around and if you're going to give me 125 to 1 to let gary woodland figure out how to turn it around i mean i feel like it's 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 something i should look into yep i agree with you there the only other play that i that i'm looking at here that i mean it's calling me calling my name and it's another it's another one of these plays that you know it's an it's an uh uh a minus odds play you know how i love those but it didn't work out last week it didn't but i think i had to go back to the well and uh i, I, went, I had to go to bovada to to find this but colin morikawa is minus 130 to finish in the top 20 i do like that i do i do like that a lot so i think that will be my mickelson play what is Justin Thomas to finish top twenty this week? Minus two twenty five. Oh, that's okay. Interesting. They see way more volatility in Morikawa than they do Thomas. Then that is odd to me, but I will I will take their money. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I will I will gladly accept donations. <laughs> so uh, to the cause. Um, yeah. So what's your uh, your baby draw and who is your who are you fading or who what's your Mickelson play? We haven't even talked about that. I think it's interesting. I think my baby draw and my Mickelson play are, are of the same vein, and I think you talked me into it. Uh, it's Rory McIlroy. I, I think he's going to be the lowest owned of the expensive guys. He, he's clearly in the worst form. 
Um, but I, those like that that glimmer of a single round that propels them to a top twenty five finish every single tournament is just just enough to and and your your renewed faith causing me to write a love letter for him on the podcast today. Uh, it was just enough to to get me to to draw him in, and, and I think it's my baby draw on top of my Mickelson play. I don't remember which one I said first now at this point because I'm just thinking about Rory. Is it? I just don't think he's gonna be low or he's gonna be highly owned, but I think he's also super volatile at the top compared to a Thomas. So I think he just has to be both those plays. Fair enough. My baby draw is Matthew Fitzpatrick. I just his name his name just keeps popping up in my stay away my fade. I think it's Webb. You you are such a game theorist. I, I am. I am. Uh, also, I guess for both of us, our baby draw is Colin Morikawa, right? He's the lowest projected ownership all the way down to Webb, and we both think he should be playing him this week. Yeah, it's either Morikawa or Hotland. I like both of them. Right. Yeah, I guess my fade for the week, I just don't understand how Tommy Fleetwood's still priced at $8,500. It makes no sense to me. So don't play Tommy Fleetwood. His iron game is terrible right now. And as always, we will never leave this podcast except that one time I played him and it was a mistake without telling you to not play Jordan Spieth. <laughs> yep. Uh, all fair. All fair. I think that's uh, that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to this tournament. It's what, one of... The last time we're going to see a lot of these guys, for sure, until the, the Masters in a few weeks. And then we only have, like, the Bermuda and the Houston Open before the Masters, I think, at this point. So you we're winding down on... On this, we're going to get a couple tournaments in the next couple weeks where we, you know, have have some more more fun with with maybe not as big name guys winning the tournaments while these guys, you know, rest and and prepare to peak for Augusta. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing where all these guys' games are at. I think that'll that'll give us some some insight to where where they are, and I guess the first or third major of the year, depending on where we are in the season. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny or it's funny that the Houston Open, again, gets to be the precursor for the Masters, just like we all Which, expected. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I, you know, so everybody else is peaking for the Masters. Lanto's peaking for the Houston Open and the Masters. So I just really expect very average things from him at $7,000 this That's week. right, that's right. <laughs> He's got to get his price right. <laughs> got to get his price right. Love it. Love Lanto. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got as well. Thanks for listening to In the Back Podcast this week. Uh, we very much appreciate it. If you enjoyed what you heard, we've helped you win some money uh, over the last, what, year or so we've been doing this. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you could subscribe, like, download, rate, whatever uh, you feel okay with with giving us. Um, we very much appreciate it. You can find us on Spotify, Google, Apple, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, again, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to us this week. And we hope you tune in again next week so we can help make sure you have the right clubs in the bag. Thanks again. Stay safe.